Hi, hey, Hello. hi, Chris. Hey, everyone. If I'm going to be extremely sleepy and slow today, just know that my cat woke me up at six o'clock because he needed foods and cuddles. And I've been fucking around till about 10, as you do. And then at about 10, I was like, I'm just going to rest my eyes. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I woke up five minutes before our podcast. Good morning, let's record <laughs> Zena Made Me Gay. In the times of brick phones, Tamagotchis and curtain bangs, the 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena, the warrior princess. The kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. Cool. Um... So, do you want to... Let's officially greet, because like I, we, we haven't said our names yet. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> There's that. Hi, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Alice. And you're listening to Xena Made Me Gay. So, what I wanted to discuss um, in relations to the episode that we're talking about today, I wanted to discuss mythological and historical characters that are very generously sprinkled <laughs> in, <laughs> uh, throughout Xena Warrior Princess. Um, like, obviously, small spoiler, but he appears in the very first scene. Sisyphus is going to be one of the main characters in this episode. And mm. I wonder which historical figures or mythological figures or characters stand out to you yeah um so i think i don't remember almost any of them from the first time that i was watching because i didn't know who any of those people were when i was there you know um so my memories about all the historical characters i mean aside from caesar um mm. i guess caesar was uh but just because of me, because I nag you constantly <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> about Caesar. <laughs> it must be that. It must be that. That was uh, impossible for me to avoid. Uh, <laughs> as hard as I'm sure I've tried uh, knowing myself. <laughs> um, so thinking back on, on when I first rewatched Xena when I was about 20, I definitely remember Odysseus because I thought it was cool that I mean, spoiler alert, I suppose, mm -hmm. but it was it was cool how uh, <laughs> Xena ends up being the the true the true uh, hero of that story. Yeah, <laughs> um, so that's that's gonna happen. I also remember uh, Helen of Troy. Right, right. In part because she's yet another example of Xena's race blind casting. Mm -hmm. as, if I, as far as I remember, uh, Helen of Troy is, is black. Um, and also, it's kind of nice to see her perspective a little bit <laughs> in yeah. that episode because uh, she's like, this all sucks. Why, Why am I being put in this situation? <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't thought of that, but that's such a good point. Like an another thing in the discussion about male gaze and female gaze that we right. had recently. Yeah, because every time when I remember the story, I always think to myself, like, oh, that must be awful. And yeah, I really also liked how they how they looked at her character. Yeah, I also remember Hippocrates from one of the episodes, and it might even be that I remember him from my childhood. I actually was like half expecting him to appear in this episode huh. because there's a lot of, you know, uh, hospital uh, related drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Hippocrates is the original ER star. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I think he's going to appear season one, so we'll we'll, yeah. we'll get yeah, to him so soon. He's, <laughs> he's coming. Um, 
and I think that's about it. I, I mm-hmm. don't I don't know whether I remember anyone else. Maybe mm-hmm. as we keep watching mm-hmm. and people will keep popping up because that's very much uh, what's going to happen. I will be like, oh, yeah, this guy or like, oh, yeah, I remember her. But <laughs> um, just thinking off the top of my head, that's about it. Cool, cool. What about you? Um, yeah, so I think apart from the ones that you already named, I'm going to talk about Caesar because I'll save my gushing and fangirling for uh, the episode where he appears. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Don't, yeah. don't worry, our yeah. dear listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you you would wish that it wouldn't come. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would be very fangirly just uh, saying it now. But mm. I really was happy to see Autolycus. And I remember my first feelings because I, I was watching Xena as a teen. So I already had those teenage interests. And I was so happy to see Autolycus because I remember I had a Greek ancient gods nerdy face uh, at yeah. some point. Uh, I think that a lot of kids go through that where like I would mm-hmm. um, make little family trees for Zeus and all his ladies. <laughs> Oh, wow. That must have been a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a very weird family tree. It got, grows sideways, mostly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... And I, I remembered all the gods, and I read about Autolycus being the son of Hermes, and Hermes was one of my favorite gods, and I like that both of them had those traits of being... Uh, really cunning and solving things with their brains and not their muscles and I thought that like was that was so cool and I even like had this character of Autolycus in my head he was nothing like the character in Xena because I think in my head he was way younger because he's a son so he in my head he was kind of like a young boy Uh but I really was satisfied in how they uh, looked at that character and like yeah he's also I think coming in season one and he's to this day one of my favorite uh, Xena warrior princess characters absolutely Atalicus is great and uh, we will file him under the hashtag men we don't hate straight men we don't hate <laughs> straight men we don't hate uh, as inspired by uh, every outfit on sex on the city sex yes. on the city what sex is sex. this <laughs> Sex and the city. Oh my god. <laughs> Kill me now. Sex on top of the city. <laughs> Sex below the city. Okay, yeah, so, and I think that Autolycus is the standout. I also really enjoyed uh, Homer appearing, and I think that it also is coming in the first season, so... Yeah, I remember that he's there, but I remember nothing about him. Oh, cool. You'll watch it as if for the first time. Yeah, but actually probably for like at least the third. Yeah, well, that's what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Mm, So shall we get on to the episode and see what Sisyphus is up to then? Yes, yes. So um, we are talking about episode nine death in chains which sounds like a 90s grunge band (laughs) (laughs) something that you can work out to definitely (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i i didn't look it up but i'm i would be surprised if that isn't an actual band (laughs) somewhere in the world (laughs) yeah so um it sounds a bit it sounds like it's a metaphor, but it's not, right? Exactly, exactly. It sounds like this is a symbol uh, of of something, but actually this is quite literally the description of what happens in the episode. Yep, yep. So, so we open by finding out that we're back, or I guess forward in the uh, medieval times. We're, we're back to the future in the medieval times-ish. <laughs> based on the um, decor and there's Sisyphus uh, who's an old man uh, and he has decided to defy the gods in some way and he's feeling pretty confident about it. We don't get any further explanation but we know that he's up to some 
god-defying trouble. And he's like, it's all gonna go great. Um, meanwhile, some lady clad in all white and holding a candle is floating through the air towards the castle gates. Then the guards approach her and one of them touches her and, she, and he immediately dies. And the other guards run away, screaming, oh no, he died. Um, she killed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she killed him. Yes, yes, yes. But how did the guards know that the guy just didn't, I don't know, pass out, for example? <laughs> it wasn't immediately clear to me that he died i don't know i guess they're doing a bit of exposition for us you know it would be funny if it would be like oh no she killed him and like no no it's just his allergies <laughs> <laughs> well yeah um but yeah true it's a it's a bit of a expositional dying there but mm. on the other god <laughs> on the other hand they live in the times of ancient gods warlords and kings so that sort of thing just happens the two things that I noticed about the scene is first, I really love how they created the floating through the air effect for the deaf lady. I assume that she's moving on rails, like in, in a similar way as the camera moves on, ra on rails often. Yeah, like a dolly. Something like that. Um, but that's very effective. It's a very simple trick, but it's very effective because there's nothing about her appearance that seems otherworldly but because she moves like that we kind of assume that she's a goddess or like some mysterious creature so i really i thought that that was nicely done yeah and um <laughs> i also kind of laughed at the classist view of death because she clearly came for sisyphus but she's willing to unalive some of uh, his guards of course like they touched her themselves but she could have just i don't know disappeared and appeared near sisyphus we know that she does that and usually when death comes for you it's not like she's killing half of your neighborhood in the process <laughs> so i don't know it, it was very ancient egyptian of like oh sisyphus is dying and half of his castle is dying with him <laughs> yeah so as we keep talking about this episode, I will get angrier and angrier about all kinds of inconsistencies that plague this episode. And uh, this is definitely one of them, where in the next scene, we see that uh, this, this lady can actually teleport. And then for some reason, she can't anymore. <laughs> and that makes me really upset. Aww. <laughs> So uh, we find out that the lady knows uh, Sisyphus' name and the name of his wife. And she introduces herself as Celesta. Mm -hmm. Celesta then asks Sisyphus if he's ready to begin his journey. And he's like, yeah, 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 of course. But let's just first sit down, chat a little bit. Look, I have all these snacks. Uh, let's just, just have a good time. And Celesta's like, mm, Okay, but then we go, right? She's also surprised that Zephyrus isn't afraid of her, but it doesn't quite alert her. No. Which, um, yeah, that combined with, oh, let's just hang out um, thing should have let her know that something is up, you know? Maybe it's the first time someone tried something like that with her, so she's like, oh what can happen to me yeah i suppose um so then she sits down in a chair and the chair suddenly traps her automatically <laughs> by the wrists like these these straps or i guess metal handcuffs ish come out of the chair i don't know how and and trap her it's some real high medieval tech <laughs> <laughs> Then Sidibus does a magic trick with some fire coming out of his stick for literally no reason. Like, there's no reason for that to happen. He's just like... Okay. He'll, he'll keep doing that. He'll keep doing that throughout the episode. And, and there are moments where it's, like, somewhat called for, but in this one, 
it's just completely random. He just wanted to do a magic trick because he felt cool. <laughs> I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And so he just did. And uh, good for him. And he also steals Celeste's candle, or as she says, her flame. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll keep coming back to that flame throughout the episode. And uh, yes, that's that's when things start annoying me. <laughs> yes. Because she teleports just a moment before from the entrance to the room to the chair. And and now she can't teleport anymore because there are some handcuffs on her wrist. Like, what? Maybe those are some special adamantium handcuffs or chair cuffs or other special material that traps the gods because we have been introduced to a special material in the previous episode so maybe it's another magic shit like this but again I agree with you that it should be established and one of the things that is not even annoying but weirding me out about this episode is that it seems like there should be a prequel to mm. Sisyphus's story, to his relationship with Xena, everything, and we should know that because things are referenced that we don't know about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's strange. I, I also was wondering about that. I was even thinking that maybe something happened on the original show, uh, the Hercules, the Legendary Journeys, and Sisyphus was involved. Like, sometimes characters kind of trickle down to from one show to another but i know i rewatched all the episodes with xena of the hercules episodes with xena and there is no sisyphus there so no actually let's look it up let's look it up Uh, and chains (laughs) yeah (laughs) two hours later okay so sisyphus did appear on hercules the legendary journeys in the same year in an episode called Highway to Hades, in which, according to IMDb, King Sisyphus has tricked Timuron into dying in Sisyphus' place on his wedding night, taking his place for eternal punishment. Hades gives Hercules, Aeolus, and Timuron's spirit three days to bring Sisyphus back, or Timuron will have to bear Sisyphus' sentence forever. It does not necessarily seem related. Okay, okay. Here's the deal. So Death and Chains is the first appearance of King Sisyphus. And actually, instead of giving us a prequel explaining all of the things in the episode that are confusing, it's the opposite. They give us a sequel to what feels like a sequel, but should be a sequel. But it's not a sequel. If we take their continuity for granted, then Sisyphus has his jolly life with his wife does something that angers the gods he needs to die there is this whole plot of this episode that we're discussing and then he wants to marry that same lady again when he came back from the dead and then tricks the death one more time welcome to twilight zone I think it doesn't make sense and we can't contort it into making sense. Let's just accept it and move on. So we then cut to Zena and Gabrielle, finally, as they're walking past a uh, kissing couple and Gabrielle thinks out loud about whether she's jealous or not. Gabby is like looking at the girl uh, who's being kissed and asks, what does she have that I don't have? And she shoots a glance at Xena, but Xena doesn't get the hint yet. Aww. Yeah, I think maybe Gabrielle herself doesn't fully understand why she looks at Xena when she yeah, says that. For sure. But, but there's something there. There is something there. Also, is that a new outfit for Gabrielle? I think this is the first time we're seeing it. It's definitely a new outfit. And we know that Gabby is going to get more and more naked throughout the series. But actually, also on IMDb, I looked up uh, trivia for this episode. And the fact, fun fact, and, or the goof, is that Gabby's costume is going to go back to normal in the next episode. So that suggests that 
the episodes might have been aired out of order. Um, I think maybe one of the reasons that Gabrielle's costumes keep changing is that she's the younger one out of the two, and she is the one that goes through a lot of changes throughout the series as mm. she's looking for herself, her place in the world, what she wants to be, what kind of a person, what her ethics are, what her sexuality is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Xena, I think, is pretty much who she is from the beginning throughout the series. She knows her deal. She makes that huge change in her life at the very beginning. And there is some growth, of course, and some character arc, but generally she's fairly set on who she is as a person. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And whenever we see costume changes in Xena, it's usually in uh, flash in the flashbacks. In the flashbacks, when she goes on ayahuasca trips, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in dreams, that that kind of stuff. So Gabrielle and Xena pass some apple trees and Gabrielle reaches for an apple but someone shoots an arrow right through it very dramatic but also I really enjoyed how the apples were so obviously glued to those trees <laughs> like Aww. perfect supermarket waxed apples attached to a tree that does not resemble an apple tree for me <laughs> and so it's uh, yet another baddie Mm -hmm. And this one knows Xena or recognizes her. Maybe he's seen her at the villain conventions that she used to frequent. But she doesn't recognize him. So he introduces himself as Toxius. <laughs> I love that name. I assume Problematicus and <laughs> Mainsplanius are right behind him. <laughs> um, very cute. So they fight and uh, Xena kills him. So he falls, Xena turns around and leaves, but ta -ta -ta, he's not dead. He opens his eyes. First, he's quite confused. Then he looks at his clearly mortal wound, chuckles and gets up. Yay, finally, two of my greatest loves come together, Xena and zombies. So yes, it's, it's the zombie episode, which means that we're going directly from an oh no people die too easily episode to an oh no people don't die when they're supposed to episode. <laughs> <laughs> and again fire is involved uh i wonder whether that was intentional given that it seems like they originally wanted to put this episode in a different place mm -hmm. It was intentional at first, and maybe then they noticed the parallel and put them together? I don't know. That's very weird, because if I noticed that in my series there are two episodes that are very similar, I would want to put them as far apart as possible, not jam them together. So we then see Zina and Gabrielle walking, when suddenly the ground shakes and a <laughs> spooky chariot appears with someone wearing a mask fighting it. Uh, the guy takes off the mask, and we see that it's some douchey-looking man. Xena <laughs> um, immediately recognizes him as Hades. He says he's a fan, and uh, asks her for help because his sister has been captured, and if she's not released before her eternal flame burns out. So I guess not that eternal. Yeah. Um, there will be eternal suffering for mankind. I didn't want to interrupt you when you were explaining basically the plot of the whole episode, but no, I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I even mentioned before, like, Hades has very emotive eyes and that's him. I don't think that he's douchey. Is he douchey? He looks like a bit of a prick. I mean, yeah, he's a god. <laughs> they all are, in a way, but he's like yeah. a likable prick. I 
so can tell that you watch this series as a teenager <laughs> right now. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> like I had crushes almost every episode. That that is sad. Like the tiny hetero part of my heart is shattering right now. <laughs> Good. But what I wanted to say is that um, I really dig the dialogue there. When Zena asks Hades what he wants, pointing a sword at him, he's like, relax, I'm a big fan. Uh, though for a while you were working us pretty hard down there. And I can hear Disney's Hades saying those things. Kind of has yeah. a similar vibe. Right? Yeah, totally. Disney's Hades was later than Zena, though, right? Yes. Yes, so that can, sure. that, that can go into your thesis of Xena influencing the great works of art. Yeah! Anyway, so Xena and Gabrielle keep walking and they see a field of wounded people. I don't know, like 50 of them, maybe. Mm. All of them are in, in pain, they're moaning, and we have no idea who they are. They just appear kind of out of nowhere. And Xena, who, for all we know from the previous episodes, is basically the best medic in the universe, <laughs> um, runs up to one of the guys and gives him something for the pain. I don't know, ibuprofen? Uh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> she just has, like, pills with her that are, like, she just carries painkillers in her little pouch cool sure convenient <laughs> yeah I, great um Zena asks what happened and she's told that there was a rock slide and also that there are some old and sick people and they're all making their way to a hospital in Corinth which how how are they doing that it's it's a group of 50 sick people many of them have like smashed limbs how are they making their way to a hospital in a different fucking city? It's a hospital crawl, you know? Like, let's go! <laughs> so we see Gabrielle uh, trying to tend to a wounded guy by aggressively rubbing his cheek <laughs> with a cloth. I don't know how that's supposed to help, but she's doing it with lots of enthusiasm. She's like, we have to stop the bleeding, and that keeps rubbing his cheek, and I'm like... I'm sure if he has a mortal wound, it's not on his cheek. Yeah, and so understandably, the guy is really grumpy and he's like, get away from me, woman, what are you doing? <laughs> and then some other dude with the most 90s haircut imaginable, like, think Hugh Grant if his job was beach. <laughs> This guy starts chatting to the grumpy man and asking him where he's from and telling him stories about how God's created the weather and Gabriel is visibly impressed. Of course, I mean, come on. I dig this character and I'm going to say more on that. Oh dear, <laughs> I extremely hated him, so... Why? But he didn't... He, he was not that annoying. Like, apart from the fact that he was just another loved interest of Gabrielle shoved into the series, what... What did he do? He was just so saccharine, you know? Yeah. It's like He's very sweet, milk, yeah. Milk toast, completely selfless, just such a nice guy. Oh, kill me now. Oh, I really liked him. <laughs> so the extremely annoying guy Gabrielle <laughs> talk further Gabrielle explains to him the captured death situation and he offers to show her the way to the castle because his mom used to work for King Sisyphus so he virtually grew up in that castle the dude then gives Gabrielle a jasmine blossom he says it's a rare beauty just like you Ugh. okay that i can admit is very cheesy i still stand by the fact that out of the disposable boyfriends especially gabrielle's disposable boyfriends this is one of the best i mean the bar is really low <laughs> but remember the other ones the other ones are horrible and this is like, i know it makes sense and just because something is not horrible doesn't mean it's not bad <laughs> 
my teenage self won't let me speak ill of this guy. <laughs> then uh, Zombie Toxius appears <laughs> out of nowhere and uh, knocks the annoying dude out and grabs Gabrielle. He wants to know where Xena is. But again, I don't understand why some people with clearly survivable wounds act like they're experiencing the worst pain ever. And this is very much mortally wounded guy is just the most joyful person in the world. Yeah, he's digging it. He's enjoying being a zombie. He's just having the best time. <laughs> like no pain for sure. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because everyone else is like half a half dead human and Toxios is essentially literally a zombie. So with the same brain capacity, his brain shut off those sectors that um, should be responsible for pain and body's reactions to pain. Yeah, he's he, if the episode would go on for a little longer, he would start saying brains and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, but we later meet a grandma who's a literal zombie, a grandma who died that morning and yeah. then came back from the dead, and she doesn't seem to be having a great time. No. No, that's... It, as you said, we cannot make it make sense. It just doesn't no, make sense. It really does not. But can, may, might I add to the defense of this particular disposable boyfriend that he tries to defend Gabrielle from Toxius? And does not run away like all the others would have or did in his stead. Yay, he gets a cookie. <laughs> then Xena appears and fights Toxius again. And uh, the dude thinks he's a god because he can die. And honestly, like given how differently he behaves from everyone else, he might as well be. Like He's not experiencing this no-death situation in any way like all the others. Mm -hmm. And Xena wins the fight by... <clears throat> so she throws her chakram at a large tree branch. At which point, the chakram becomes essentially a saw, spinning incredibly fast in one place to cut the branch off, and the branch falls onto Toxius. This is what happens. Sure, why not? Well, that confirms the theory that uh, Chakram is being more of a magical creature than a weapon. Also, before Chakram displays the chainsaw, Toxios is about to strike Xena, saying, just where I want you. And Xena responds with, I'm not that easy. <laughs> it's like the 90s were truly a time for endless sexual innuendos like not even in this episode like in a lot of episodes whenever xena fights there's a lot of sexual tension between her and whatever douche she's fighting although she clearly is not into toxius it's just fighting talk yeah yeah i'm kind of into that <laughs> yeah um, we're then back with Celeste and Sisyphus, and she's like, oh no, I'm gonna disappear! And he's like, well, duh, that's the plan. Yeah, here, I think, is, was the moment where the episode completely lost me, because... <laughs> <laughs> like, Sisyphus asks, like, why? It's not, not my time or something. And Celeste says, oh, it's not my fault, you angered Zeus. And Sisyphus says, I don't care for Zeus's petty jealousy? why jealousy my people needed water he says like so there's clearly <laughs> some developed plot that we're not told about we then see toxius come back to his crew asking them to gather an army to fight xena because there's no death anymore and she's about to ruin that people are understandably skeptical and then he kills all of them and they don't die but again not only do they not die they don't suffer at all what's this deal if no death means eternal suffering why are people not suffering <laughs> i don't know maybe that's one of the perks of coming to the baddie conventions zombie policy in case death gets captured but in a way this i kind of liked like whenever this episode becomes a farce, uh, especially connected with zombies, I dig it. Because 
this scene might as well be from Monty Python, where he's like, well, you need to join me because I'm your dead leader. And he's, they're like, dude, you're dead. He's like, oh, really? Now you're dead and you're dead and you're also dead. Ha ha. So meanwhile, <clears throat> Gabrielle is annoying Xena by trying to make her say that this new random dude she's met is literally perfect. Kind of like I'm annoying you right now. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> He's very good for Gabrielle because he also is into stories. God. <laughs> but I must add that the poor dude is like two meters away in the open field when this conversation is happening. Like at some point they're all in the shot together and that means they're pretty close. So awkward. Yeah, but Zena is not entertained. And so much so that she's like, you know, whatever, you two go to the hospital and I deal with the captured death situation. And so they split up and the baddies split also and follow both Xena and the annoying lovebirds. And we then then see a horse chase between Xena and the baddies. And it's so clearly sped up. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's very funny. Like when I was watching it in my head, I had like da 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 you know, like in those comedies. Absolutely. Like when you have that jolly music when you have this chase on horseback that is clearly sped up. So this this is a great episode. It it transcends the genre in so many ways. Oh, yeah. So um, Xena knocks the guys pursuing her off their horses and they pass out. So being killed didn't do anything to them. (laughs) But being knocked off of their horses made them pass out. Sure. You know, whatever. Horses are very important for patriarchy, though. You're knocked off your horse. That's it. Yeah, yeah, we did learn that. So after the chase, Zena uses her Mission Impossible skills to climb into the castle. And it's followed by another hilarious scene where a guy, like a guard, jumps out at Zena doing all sorts of fast movements with his arms, demonstrating that he knows karate, kung fu, and some other fancy words. But Zena just knocks him out by punching him in the face and says, Nice try. This is extreme 90s content, and I love it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We then see the hospital where the old lady that died um, tells Gabrielle how she died that morning and somehow came back. This is a very creepy scene. Like, this also, like, the genre changes once again, and this is just straight out of this haunting horror film because of Creepy Old Lady. Uh, she looks like a corpse and she asks Gabby to lean in and she tells her with her voice like that. She wants to tell her a secret. Like, uh, it's very creepy. It was great. Yeah. Um, and uh, the old lady tells Gabrielle that um, it's all nice and good that uh, Zena is going to rescue death. But if they touch each other, Zena will die. And that's what we saw at the very beginning of the episode with the guard. Mm-hmm. Um, we also noticed that something is up with the annoying dude, which is what I will keep referring to him as. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess because he's not evil, he can still experience pain. Yes, and he's being very heroic about it. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> yes, you're into that shit. I forgot. No! (laughs) So bad. (laughs) Can't help it. Um, Yeah, so Gabrielle assumes that Xena doesn't know that she will die if she touches death and decides to follow her into the castle. And her disposable boyfriend offers to lead the way because he grew up in the castle. So Xena gets into the castle and encounters Sisyphus, who keeps doing weird magic tricks like appearing out of smoke and disappearing into smoke. So Sisyphus tries to convince Xena to let death disappear forever. And she's like, nah, I don't think so. And then a trap door opens under Xena and she falls for a really long time. 
And she still doesn't reach the ground. Instead, she grabs onto a bone, <laughs> a skeleton that hangs in the pit. I think the the bones are attached one to another, the same way that the apples were attached to the tree. Yep, they're glued. In the episode, I think they're glued. <laughs> um, so it, it holds for a little bit, but finally the the bone breaks off and Xena falls onto the ground and seems like she also passes out. Mm-hmm. And um, Gabrielle and the annoying guy also arrive to the castle and the guy leads Gabrielle in through a secret tunnel he found as a kid. Yeah, cover your ears. I'm going to talk to our listeners. Mm. Um, when they enter the castle, Gabby urges the guy to go back, but he says that he never met a girl who knows every line of Sophocles by heart, and that's why he won't let anything happen to her. And that's why I think that he's the best, because they like the same stuff. Okay, you can un- uncover your ears now. Sure. <laughs> the... <laughs> The zombie baddies uh, following Gabrielle and the guy also go into the tunnel um, just a few minutes after them. But it seems like they arrive from a different side. Unclear how that happened. Another weird inconsistency. Whatever. Fuck it. (laughs) Gabrielle and the annoying guy run. And then the stairs that they're running on turn into a slide that lead to a trap door and the annoying guy falls into it and then it all like morphs back into a regular stairs. Why <laughs> would it would it be helpful to explain while the castle is booby trapped? Yes. Do we get an explanation? No. It's it's super super bizarre and um so the, the guy runs a little bit behind Gabrielle, so she gets to the top of the stairs by the time this happens, and so she keeps running. The annoying guy falls near Xena, and she's like, oh, the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and he's like, oh, Gabrielle wanted to tell you not to touch death. And Zena's like, duh! Where the fuck is Gabrielle? I told her not to come here! <laughs> um, and then Zena finds the way out. Yeah, uh, the guy throughout the scene keeps talking, being essentially a Gabby's substitute in the scene. Uh, but then Zena tells him to shut up and she listens to the sound of water. And then she finds a pathway to the sewage, I assume, because when she jumps down the opening in the ground, there's a splash. So I assume that that's the sewage. Yeah, but then they're so they're very far down. And the way that she finds a way out is by going further down. down. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever, Again, yeah. If we, if we wanted to make this episode make sense, we would not be able to. So I choose to relinquish that desire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Gab- Gabrielle plays zombie hide and seek while Xena and the annoying guy crawl through the pipes among the rats. Mm. and they get out of the pipes and the annoying guy reveals that he's super ill and probably would die really soon yeah Zena then says this makes my job much tougher knowing that she has to free death but the guy assures Zena that uh, what she's doing is right because there are so many people that need death and then Zena answers I can see why Gabriel thinks that you're special and when I watched it when I was a teen, it melted my little heart. I'm like, Zena is acknowledging that he's special. Yes. You're done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. You like I'm very sorry that there's no video accompanying our podcast. Like your face is priceless right now. <laughs> it's not um, often we disagree about the character so much. That's true, that's true. But hey, Caesar is coming up, so... (laughs) (laughs) Don't you dare bash Caesar! (laughs) Alright, so... Sisyphus' wife offers to help Xena. She gets her and the annoying guy to Sisyphus, and they talk. And Sisyphus is like, oh my god, now I understand everything. How could I be so stupid? Now everything is clear and I'm a good guy again. 
uh well a little elaboration of the scene like uh, essentially they talk and uh gabby's disposable boyfriend tells says at first that he grew up in the castle and he's fond of him and he's trying to say that well i should have died a while ago and living is painful for me and i'm not a zombie so therefore i need death as pain relief and it works And they're about to unlock Death's chains when Gabrielle runs in with Toxius right behind her. He grabs her and threatens to kill her if they let Death go. So making Gabrielle the first uh, victim of Death uh, coming back. And Xena fights the zombie baddies and eventually she throws her chakram to disarm Toxius and at the same time free Celesta. But her candle immediately goes back to its original size and the zombie baddies die as she touches them one by one. Yeah, I just wanted to note uh, before we're done with Celesta that I really dig the casting for her. She really has that otherworldly quality about her. And she's pretty more in a timeless way than in a 90s way. Like remembering Aphrodite, it could have been way worse. Yeah, I mean, she still looks pretty 90s to me. Um, as know. almost everything does in Cena. Um, but she's all right. I didn't think this is the episode of, of us having different opinions. Yeah. I, I, I did not enjoy her necessarily. Okay. So Sisyphus tells Celesta that he's ready to go too. But she's like, dude, I don't have time for you now. Someone else needs me. And then the annoying guy steps out and Gabrielle is confused and tries to stop it all. But the guy tells her that this is what he wants and he apologizes for not having told her. Um, she weeps as if he's her <laughs> husband of 20 years. And then Celesta takes him into the bright white light, which is, I, I don't like, is this heaven? Does she take his body too? Because all the other people just, you know, die, drop dead, more or less regular. Yes, they drop dead. And uh, this guy, he just walks away with her. This episode is so inconsistent. Jesus fuck. And um, yeah, Gabrielle weeps on Zena's chest as we fade out. Do you smell that? That is the smell of Christianity entering <laughs> ancient Greece one more time. Because this like shot of a dying person that we care about like because mm. we don't care about zombie uh baddies a dying person that we care about walking into this bright light like mm -hmm. into the, the gates of heaven yep clearly <laughs> yeah yeah sure on the other hand I, I i'll try to say it without annoying you too much but mm. I, I really do dig the story of this disposable boyfriend because when I was first watching it and I realized that oh he actually is one of those who should have been dead although he's on Xena's and Gabrielle's side and helping them the whole time that's kind of like an interesting reveal and there are a lot of creepy fairy tales especially in eastern cultures about dead bride or dead groom so I I really like that part of the story although the part with sisyphus was inconsistent as fuck you have no comment <laughs> i have nothing to say <laughs> okay maybe you'll have something to say to this uh from this episode onward i think they're going to add add something in the credits that is funny and of course we're going to read it to you this episode's credits read, no jumbo-sized cocktail rats were harmed during the production of this motion picture. And my question is, what are cocktail rats? Cocktail rats? That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Google cocktail rats now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because I, I don't completely rats. understand. I assume that they added this bit because there were actually live rats in the episode they were not dollies so they wanted to make yeah. sure to say that like no animals were harmed because i think the baddie steps on a rat at some point and they're like no the rat the rat is fine 
but why jumbo-sized cocktail rats? Cocktail rats? I don't know, and it doesn't seem like that's a thing. Um, there, there is a cocktail called Matt the Rat, but <laughs> that's kind of it. No, no, cocktail rats are not a thing. Okay, okay then, then just let's just go with it. As everything else in this episode, and I, I'm afraid to ask this, but how many chakras do you give this episode? Girl. <laughs> Two. Two out of ten. <laughs> this was not a good episode. I did not enjoy it. It was inconsistent as fuck. <laughs> There's this annoying fucking boyfriend. <laughs> Hades has a douchey face. No. And you just <laughs> solidified it all for me by being such a fan of all this bullshit. Okay, okay. So my answer to this is I would give this episode a seven. I know that it's... Holy <laughs> shit! No, you won't! It's very inconsistent. But in terms of my viewing pleasure, I really liked it. I liked parts oh my God, with the zombie. No. I liked parts with the disposable boyfriend. And I'm deducting three points for Sisyphus line being very inconsistent and strange. Yep. What the fuck? So this episode was was better than Prometheus, better than the Titans, and better than Sins of the Past in your or like as good as Sins of the Past. Yep. In terms of my personal enjoyment, yes. Oh my god. I am outraged. I'm still recording the next episode. This concludes <laughs> Zena Made Me Gay the Podcast. We will never see you again. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> um, yeah, but if I manage to convince Chris to still talk to me after this, <laughs> we'll see you um, when we'll record the next episode. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> okay, ending here. <laughs> <laughs>